So I just finished the last season of Curb Your Enthusiasm, mm. and there's an episode where a friend of Larry David's kills himself because he's a Jets fan, and Le'Veon <laughs> Bell tears his ACL, and he just can't take it anymore. And he's just like, I think the Jets killed this guy, and it's not <laughs> the first time this has happened. And so I think there's a mold of Jets fans that is just so disgusted, and I think they talked about this on the broadcast where it's just like Joe Namath is the only good thing that has ever happened to the Jets, and they just haven't had a lot of success outside of that. Well, I'll first say that you're forgetting Vinny Testaverde, who just had a great name. He, yeah. he had a great <laughs> New York Jets name. Um, and Mark Sanchez. The r- but the best they ever did was make it to an AFC championship. When's, when's the last time the Bengals have done that? Um, but it's, it is interesting though, because the Jets have just never been good enough to expect them to do better. Yeah. So it, like, I feel like to take for the, the twins, they won back in the early nineties and, um, now I think they have 18 playoff game losses in a row. I feel like a Twins fan has more reasons to kill themselves than a Jets fan because you've seen potential, that you've seen reasons for hope. Whereas, like, if you're a Jets fan, like, why would why do you get up? Why do you go watch a game expecting anything good? But as a long-term Nuggets fan, isn't the hope sometimes worse than no hope at all? Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> well, hmm. I think the bubble was interesting because. By the time the Nuggets made it to the Western Conference Finals, I had a bunch of friends who don't actually watch sports texting me about, oh, my God, we should blah, blah, blah. Oh, we blah, blah, blah. And I was like, you haven't put in the sweat and pain equity to be texting me about we at the moment. Um, But I had no expectations. It was – I felt zen like a Buddhist monk as I watched LeBron drive to the hole and get foul call after foul call. But which things have driven you more crazy? The years where they could have done better and they didn't, or the years where they were just bad? The years where they could have done better. The yeah. 2012-57 um, win season. To this day, like there's smells that remind me of that <laughs> that and season and then the pain following. And so that's why I think the Jets is worse, because they have these flashes. They get to the AFC Championship game. One of the things in the episode, Darnold gets mono. Like the second week of the season, no <laughs> one gets mono. Like what is this? Why is our hope dashed? Well, it's also just weird psychology because you have a different choice. Yeah. Like the Giants are there. I mean, the Giants aren't really good right now. But you, you're choosing this misery compared to, say, a Cleveland fan before the Cavaliers won, or I guess yeah, like all of Minnesota teams have been bad for a really long time. They don't get a second option. You're choosing the loser option. The same way that, like, if you're a Clippers fan, <laughs> like, you don't have to subject yourself to this. Well, Clippers fans are just Knicks fans that have moved to the West Coast. Yeah. <laughs> well, That's welcome. so offensive. <laughs> <laughs> welcome to the Denver. I'm Derek. I'm Quinn. And uh, we're recording this on Friday afternoon. A weird time for the country. Uh, President Trump has just been taken to Walter Reed Medical Center for an undisclosed amount of time. 
And we're going to ignore all of that and talk about the sports world that has been since we last recorded in the middle of the Nuggets Clippers series. Uh, and a lot's happened. Quite a lot. Uh, yeah. Let, let's start with the Broncos, who are 1-3 and three after uh, falling backwards into a victory last night and somehow scoring 37 points. That was, first off, the Darnold touchdown at the beginning of the game. I tweeted out that was maybe the worst play of football I'd ever seen, uh, and I am a CU Buffs fan. <laughs> I don't know how a defense gives up that 47-yard run down the middle, but it was it was something, some way to start the game, and somehow the Broncos come out on top in that one. He's gotten a lot of shit already, but Justin Simmons got absolutely juked by a dude you should not get your ankles broken by. It, yeah, it was watching that play it was like, okay, it's going to be one of these nights. And um, it's okay. As I said, I, I have so much zen in me when watching sports at the moment. But, yeah, I, you could see Darnold as he was running, like, surprised he was still running. Well, he was almost tackled by Purcell, I think. And then just, like, he missed. He just didn't do a good tackle. And it was like, that's it. That was the Broncos' whole defense. Which, uh, there were a lot of plays in that game where the Broncos' defense was about that paper thin. But it was enough. Ojemudier had a couple of blocks. They had a couple of uh, inside linebacker sacks. Chubb was able to just find Darnold for some reason. Like, it was like... They were both just like fighting blindly, and then somehow Chubb found Darnold. It was a weird, weird defensive effort. But on the offensive side, like <laughs> there were just so many plays where you're just like, "How did they win this game?" Truly, I mean, shout out to Jerry Judy, his first NFL touchdown. LeBron tweeted at him. He got a lot of moss, mossed um, tweets, and it was like, it was a great physical was receiver play and that's like the play that you're you wanted to picture when they drafted him but you know, I mean the offense running on your practice squad QB had flashes of like okay I'm pleasantly surprised and then just a lot of moments like how do you get picked off on a throwaway pass that was incredible well in in some ways that one was incredible just because he didn't do it enough. But the other two interceptions on back-to-back drives were just infuriating where it was just like, clearly you can't read this defense at all. No, no. It's not even – by that point, it wasn't even like reading defense. It's like, what were you seeing? Because <laughs> on any angle, that's not a good pass. So we're one in three Broncos. They have had so many injuries uh, – you know, I don't I don't know exactly what it is, but a majority of their cap space is now on the injured reserve list. Um, clearly, the depth is a problem. It's not like San Francisco, who's lost in some ways equal parts players to the Broncos, but has been able to recover because in another fantasy world, John Lynch should have become the g- general manager of the Denver Broncos after the Super Bowl. Kyle Shanahan is coach. And we would all be fine. But instead, we're stuck in this reality. Um, but it... What is what is the expectation? What is the hope of the Broncos now that they're one and three? And I mean, looking at the schedule, I don't know that they're favored in another game the rest of the season. Well, I mean, I remember what two Sundays ago, which was Bloody Sunday, when almost I think 
10 to 15 significant players had near season ending injuries. It just goes to show that there is a method to the madness, whether the NFL knew it or not, that preseason is actually very important in just getting players up to game speed conditioning. And just for the record, they did know, and the NFLPA knew because of the lockout. Like, this happened not to this scale, but everybody knew. Like, it wasn't a secret that it didn't go well after the lockout. Yeah. I just, I still have to assume, like, other teams are going to, like, everyone's going to revert or climb to the mean in terms of injuries that I can't imagine the Broncos are just specifically unlucky so you just don't know what's going to happen week to week and who is going to be available. But I, it's fine not to have expectations for this team. It's not the Broncos suck. It's like the Broncos just – they don't have their stuff this year. But, I mean, this is likely going to be the fifth season in a row that they don't make the playoffs every year since they didn't make the Super Bowl. Um, clearly the depth is still a problem. They haven't been able to address the offensive line effectively, which is some of their fault, some of injury luck and people opting out. Mm. But it, um, it's really hard to see, like, if everyone was healthy, do I think that they could be 2-2 two and two or even 3-1? and one? Maybe. But do I think that they have the depth to survive a season? No. Like, I just don't think that they – have put the talent together in a rebuild that has now been lasting five years without them ever naming it. Yeah. I, I'm going to say, and I can't be challenged on it because <laughs> it's not our reality. Is it the nu- the nuggets? Um, the Broncos would be a playoff contending team. If most of the players were healthy. And I think the biggest question mark would still be on drew lock. Like, watching Brett Rippon out there. I don't know if you're getting a better game out of Locke. He just hasn't. He didn't show it in uh, the Tennessee game, and um, then he got hurt against Pittsburgh. The biggest question mark is, like, if he comes back, is he going to help the team look better than they did last night? And right now, there's nothing that tells me that he does. And, I mean, I think the thing you have to start to wonder about Drew Locke is, is he going to be able to stay healthy long enough to play quarterback? True. Um, And I think, depending on what happens, the Broncos are going to be in the mix for a quarterback. So, what? hopefully Drew Locke comes back and we get to see what he has. But are you starting to think, like, maybe they need to think about Trevor Lawrence or Fields from Ohio State being a real possibility for them next year and we get another quarterback well I mean that's I think the Arizona Cardinals have set the trend that teams are gonna have going forward it's if you aren't sure that you have the guy you try to get him the next year Mm -hmm. that just the way the league is shaping out you don't have time to let guys become okay even if you're not fully bought in then you have to go towards the next person. And um, I think it might be easier ditching Josh Rosen for Kyler Murray. But right now, there's nothing I've seen from Drew Locke that tells me he's not Josh Rosen. Well, and I think the other thing is, 
I don't think that any team has been hurt worse by coronavirus than the Broncos. And I say that more because the court case deciding the ownership dispute has been pushed back until the spring. (laughs) And so we are waiting on this decision that shapes every other decision because it is not a guarantee or even an expectation that John Elway should be brought back next year that, but without a real owner, it's hard to say what decisions will be made, if they'll be the right decisions, if stability will be able to bring in the sponsors and the money and the stability that the Broncos need to, I think I said stability twice, but they're really lacking stability to put a decent product on the field. And it really has been, since the Super Bowl, that this uncertainty has just swirled around the team. Totally. And, and that's just funny to think about that the ownership fight that inspired this podcast almost is no closer to being resolved. And I think when you talk about the new normal, as fans, we've just been lulled into thinking, okay, well, we, yeah, we just don't have ownership. And you can complain about John Elway, but he's not going anywhere anytime soon. Unless on his own volition, he looks at like what's happening. It's like, all right, got my ring. I, there's just nothing to be done. And that's that's tough, but I, I don't like that a lot of Broncos fans are treating it like the sky is falling. I like Vic Fangio, if for no other reason that he didn't shake Gase's hand at the end of the game. And What about the game he the lost? Field? With his timeout calling. Yeah, again, I don't have expectations. <laughs> so the fact that they were in the game against the Tennessee Titans, who I think are still undefeated, they played them pretty decently. Yes, taken that Goskowski missed what, four field goals. I don't think the Broncos are as bad as they are organization-wise as they are unlucky that they've had so many key players injured. Yeah, I mean, I think there is some truth to that, but we've seen that depth is just continually an issue and something that, like, you have to be ready for the next man up. Like, that used to be the slogan of the Broncos, and now it's LA going on broncos.com because he doesn't do a lot of other interviews and saying, yeah, we're really hurt by injuries. That would never have been tolerated in the Super Bowl eras when they were competing for the Super Bowl. I mean, but even then, like, the depth was interesting. It's... It seems like to be in the same key places in terms of running back, receivers, and um, inside linebackers. I mean, yeah, the one thing that I'm always looking at is there's still no one to guard Travis Kelsey in the defense, although we've had now, yeah, five years, (laughs) I think. Just one dude who can keep up with a tight end. I think the Broncos got burned by the tight ends by the Bucks last week. I, it's just not easy putting together an NFL football team. But you look at, say, Josh Allen, who the Broncos could have drafted, and then you start to really chew on the fact that they have not taken the steps to improve the way you'd hope to see. Well, I mean, it would have been, and it was everyone in the league, but, you know, Lamar Jackson was so easily there for everyone and, you know, MVP. It's just, I do think it's been so interesting to watch that Elway is, for the most part, been better on the defense than he has on the offense. And, I mean, uh, Rippon was the ninth quarterback to start since Peyton Manning won the Super Bowl for the Broncos, including the return of Brock. Sadly, uh, he's also, he's the eighth quarterback quarterback 
to win since Peyton Manning won the Super Bowl with uh, Driscoll being the only one who hasn't won a game. Yeah. So it's – I don't know. I mean, I think it's hard in Denver when the Broncos aren't good, and I just don't know how long it's going to be until the Broncos are good. But I don't – until the ownership thing gets sell, settled, I don't know how you settle any of the rest of it. Truly. And, I mean, that's like what – kind of sets us apart as sports fans is that we see and understand that as opposed to like especially like the Instagram brigade of any sport that is like fire this person fire that person it's like <laughs> at this point it's like can we hire an owner <laughs> can we get someone who's making all those decisions but yeah um, the way you put it especially with the quarterbacks and I think a lot of the coaching staff over the past several years it's kind of like my beef with the Rockies where it just seems that, especially in their roster construction, they choose the same types of guys that haven't worked. Yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, I think ultimately, like, they probably aren't successful until Elway is gone, but they're definitely not successful until they have an owner, I don't think. Yeah. In the same way, I don't think the Rockies will be successful until they move on from Jeff Breidich, and maybe this time could hire outside of the organization, but... I don't really want to spend any time on the Rockies right now, so <laughs> let's let's move on to the Denver Nuggets, who ended their amazing comeback run in five games in the Western Conference Finals against the Los Angeles Lakers, who look like they're going to cruise to an NBA championship with LeBron James. Uh, the last time we talked, I don't know exactly where it was in the Clippers series, but we did. I think it was before Game Six. Yeah, we did not think the Nuggets were going to win Game Six and Game Seven. And they kind of won those games and just took the fight out of the Clippers, led to Doc Rivers getting fired, and really a lot of questions about just the Clippers' mental toughness. So they like basically just deflated a whole franchise. Mm -hmm. um, played well against the Lakers at times, came very close to making the series. Tied at one, game two, Anthony Davis made that shot uh, at the buzzer that just sort of killed the momentum and then it was so upsetting to then watch him brick other easier threes later in the series like <sighs> but whenever they needed it he made that three like he made it two or three other times in critical situations and the nuggets i mean eventually just ran out of gas i think we saw some of their issues including just like fatigue of being in the bubble and playing so many more games than the lakers had i mean the lakers had played five games in the first two series. The Nuggets played seven games in the first mm -hmm. two series, including six elimination games, and the Lakers have yet to play an elimination game. So how are you feeling about the Nuggets now that we're a week out from them leaving Orlando and coming home? I mean, I feel great. I cannot remember going into an offseason feeling... Maybe not even great, as I am just grateful, because... I didn't give them much more than a puncher's chance against Utah. Yeah, you were just like, I'm happy they made it to the bubble and they got into the playoffs. That yeah. was This Zen thing has been going on for a long time. It's going to be interesting to see what cracks it. I mean, 20, <laughs> uh, I mean, 2020 has offered so much BS that just getting basketball back really was all that I was looking for. Um but it, I mean, it made the game watching the games that much easier because I, in the bubble especially after COVID, is how do you go in thinking? I guess outside of being a Lakers or Bucks or Clippers fan, 
how do you go in with the expectation that your team is supposed to win the title? Because, like, even what does the title mean? This is, like, early in August. So I'm coming out of it grateful, um, looking forward to what moves the Nuggets will make. They're in an interesting position with a few expiring contracts, wanting to resign uh, Jeremy Grant. But having several of the younger guys now pushing to really step up and take their role the way that Jamal Murray did in the bubble and became, I don't know, I I don't want to call him a superstar, but like ESPN and TNT want him to be. I mean, he's he's definitely a playoff superstar. Like, I think that that is established. Yeah. He got his profile. Especially watching streams that they were using that one commercial of him over and over (laughs) and over again. So, like, when you become a, a darling like that, it's just fun to see a guy get hyped up and he's wearing a Denver Nuggets jersey. Mm-hmm. I heard an interesting theory about the Nuggets from George Carl that I, I want to get your take on, that the Nuggets have a lot of really good skill players. Like, their roster is full of skill players that do a lot of things, but they don't have a lot of good role players. And that that is something that needs to change in their moves and free agency and who they keep and who they don't keep is that they do not have the guy that comes in for a specific purpose and does it very well. They have a lot of versatile guys, but that also means very streaky guys. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, it's certainly true, but I don't think they, well, they didn't get to where they are, say, last year um, without Monte Morris. I think playing being more of a role player, but just hitting consistent shots in a way that the moment was too big for him last season. But, I mean, it's a good, interesting assessment in that the the Nuggets have had depth for a while, and that's been their biggest thing. But if there's one big thing that may happen next season is they start to try to consolidate a little bit more in that Jamal Murray, Monte Morris, and P.J. Dozier all are good one guards, but they can't. They're not going to be playing together, and they all have something to contribute. But uh, there's just not enough minutes to go around. So to that point, I would be interested to see if guys get traded. I think there's a lot of the players have higher value than they did, say before the bubble. So that would be a cool thing to see. Yeah, and I think just when you go up against the teams that the Nuggets went up against, where you know you had the Dwight Howard and the Rajon Rondos that could come in and do a certain thing, you had. Marcus Morris with the Clippers. You had a couple guys with Utah where it's just like they don't have a lot of veteran presence, and that's good for the most part. Like they have Millsap, but Millsap doesn't just play a veteran role. Like Mm. he doesn't have a specific thing he does very well. And I think especially when you consider that Golden State will be back next year with Curry and Thompson healthy, like (laughs) the Nuggets are going to have to be versatile, which means they're going to need some guys that do a specific thing well that you're not going to need all the time, but you're going to need a three-point defender sometime. You're going to need a three-point specialist sometimes, and you're going to need a defensive presence in the paint that they just don't have. And so it's going to be interesting to see what they do with those areas. Yeah, well, like the only guy who wasn't much of a role player and wasn't much of a skill player is Mason Plumlee. <laughs> uh, I would be interested in seeing a more traditional big man to back up Jokic. Which changes things. Like Plumlee has been fairly good as a big passer, but with his inability to shoot, 
it really takes away from like what was so beautiful about the two man game with Murray and Jokic. So he's definitely a piece that um thank you for your service. Go play for like Charlotte or somebody. They'll give you money. But do you think that guy exists? Like the guy that you're looking for and the way that centers have evolved in the NBA, like is Plumley the best option we can have at center at backup center? Uh certainly not for the playoffs because especially when Jokic was getting in foul trouble, we needed a guy to play long minutes and play offense. Yeah. And be a better defender too. Like <laughs> See, I think you just named all of the things where it's like, where are we going to find this guy? And maybe it's two guys. Like, maybe that's it. Like, maybe you need a defensive big man and you need an offensive big man. Well, that's where I, mean, I think the character arc for Will Barton has been so interesting because if there was anyone you missed, like, especially, say, in the Utah series when they got down 3-1, was a guy who could come off the bench and be an energy dude who can get a bucket uh, as valuable as Jordan Clarkson was for the, the jazz in that I think will Barton would have been that valuable to the nuggets in a, in a like sixth or seventh man role. I think I'd love to see if MPJ gets a little more weight and doesn't look so terrible on defense. He could then be a role guy where it's like, okay, shoot when you're on the court. Like, let's try to get you to heat up and get that microwave um, <laughs> card. But it, it's it's tough. Well, Tory Craig, he was also a role p- I guess Tory Craig's your closest to a role player that wasn't played in a role. Well, he's also a guy, oh, my God, every time he got a pass in the corner, it's like, you're an NBA player. You have to take that open three, and I just have no hope that you're actually going to hit it. Well, and he also almost became the Raheem Moore of the Nuggets. Like they, his his layup that he missed. If Conley makes that shot for Utah in the first round, we're not talking about any of this. No, we're talking about a pretty big restructure for the Nuggets, and I just think we just hate Craig. Like Craig gets the disdain that Raheem Moore did for missing that pass. Yeah. I- He's a tough one. I think he's he a dude who's always, as long as he stays healthy, has a spot on most NBA rosters because of his defensive energy. But you look at the Warriors or even the Lakers, although Danny Green was just abysmal as a <laughs> shooter, you have to be able to make open shots. And right now as the Nuggets are constructed, they don't do that enough. And that might – that's still the most damning thing to Malone, I think, is you sacrificed offense for defense, and you still had moments where your defense was trash. So what are you here for, sir? Yeah, I think – I mean, I think, you know, we can say that Malone did a lot of good things. I think he needs to get better at working the refs because that was clearly a problem in the Lakers series. Mm. And, yeah, I mean, I think Conley needs to make some decisions that will make it easier for Malone to coach and maybe – one of those is getting rid of Craig and consolidating a little bit. Yeah. I want to, before we're done, just sort of walk through what the next few months look like in sports. Because right now, the only official thing we have on the calendar is the Denver Broncos for the next indefinite amount of time. Starting in... Oh, hold on. Are you overlooking our Colorado Rapids? 
Yes, I, I am. I am overlooking the Colorado Rapids. <laughs> well, I'm going to wish them a speedy recovery because they had to postpone a game due to COVID as well. I uh, really angered a lot of Rapids fans when after the... A lot? <laughs> yes, a lot. When after the... Like, I don't know. I had like 30 people yelling at me on Twitter about after the Nuggets lost, I said every Colorado or every Denver professional sports team has lost their last game. Talking about the Rockies because the Rockies, I guess it was after the Rockies lost. Rockies, Broncos, Avs, Nuggets. Uh, And then all the college people, except for Air Force, someone told me too, have also lost their last game. Uh, And then the Rabs people are like, what are you talking about? And I, and including... Uh, Jake Shapiro, Shapalicious on Twitter, who I know and am friends with, who was like, this really hurts being the Rapids beat reporter for the Denver Post. And I wrote back and I was like, the Rapids beat reporter told me the Rapids game was canceled today because of coronavirus. (laughs) So calm down, everybody. You guys aren't on a winning streak. Your game was canceled. Um, But so you have the Rapids if you want to pay attention to them, which I don't. Um, (laughs) at, At the end of the month, CU is supposed to start playing football. Right now, they're not cleared to practice because they violated rules by going on a hike, not masked, not spaced, and all of CU has been shut down and people have been put in quarantine up in Boulder. Um, The NHL draft is next week, uh, Tuesday the 7th. Avs have a late – I don't even know if the Avs have a first-round pick. They have a late first-round pick or early second-round pick. Um, And then free agency is on Thursday, so you can look for them to maybe – changed up goaltending there are a couple high profile free agents uh yeah Lindquist yeah I don't think I hope they don't get him he's really old uh uh uh, the who is it Taylor Hall the Coyotes guy he'll be available uh Petrangelo the Blues guy will be available and the Avs have cap space for a year so you can look for those things and then right now we're looking at 2021 for the NBA and the NHL realistically starting. And we don't know if it's going to be January, February, March, and March is when we expect the Rockies to start spring training. So we're stuck with football for the foreseeable future, which is pretty daunting in a way that is some ways worse than the break we had in March to July. It was at uh, Rippon's pick six. Which, I, oh, yeah. Was that the second one? Yeah, I think that was his second yeah. um, interception of the night. No, I thought maybe his third. Yeah, maybe I think. Because then all of a sudden it was like, wow, they're going to blow this lead. They had a nine-point lead, and then it suddenly got down to a two-point lead. <laughs> but it was at that moment I realized that I was not going to get any notifications for any other sports for a long time, and that hurt. That definitely was just sad fan noises. Yeah, I mean it's it's been so weird because so you know so many sports have moved and like seeing the NBA finals in September is weird and like we are so used to life moving with the seasons of sports that without that like it hasn't helped time feel any better where you're just like oh the Kentucky Derby happened a couple weeks ago that was weird the French Open is happening right now in tennis <laughs> uh we're looking for a Masters my uh November 17th before Thanksgiving like it doesn't – the rhythms of sports have, like, helped you get through the rhythms of life, and right now it's just a disaster. Oh, that's beautiful. Well, especially with global warming, you can't trust the climate to feel like the way it should be. 
What so, are you saying? It's like 70 degrees. We're sitting outside. It's October. Yeah, but in October, <laughs> but um, the leaves are going to go from green to brown because yeah. of the heat and the smoke. Um, but yeah, sports was such a reliable way to think about things. And yeah, right now should be starting to – well, right now the NBA season should be starting in like three weeks. Yeah, this should probably be NHL. A year ago this weekend was when the Avs played their first game. Like right – Today, the Friday, whatever the Friday was, October 4th or whatever, that was the first Avs game last year. Yeah. And, yeah. Damn it. I don't want to become just a Broncos podcast, <laughs> but we have to talk about the Rapids now. No, we're not going to. But uh, we're gonna. there's going to be a lot. The Nuggets are going to start making moves. The Avs are going to start making moves. Maybe the Rockies are going to fire Jeff Breidich. They're not. That's not going to happen. I mean, they, but, what, shouldn't they have just done that already if they were going to? Yeah. I just I keep hoping that the better DJ LeMay does, the matter it will make Dick Monfort, and he'll eventually be like, I can't take it anymore. You're done. We never should have gotten rid of DJ. This is all your fault. Mm. You're well, clearly so in a moron. Of, uh, me becoming a New Yorker, I'm going to follow the Yankees. I'm not going to root for them, but <laughs> I'm going to learn most of the roster names. Well, you know, too, DJ LeMay, Mike Talkman. So well, what about Adovino? Is he still Adovino? Yeah, I don't know days? if he's healthy or not. Oh, but well, yeah, I have, I it could be. I don't know. Well, I haven't heard his name. I'm gonna watch uh, Yankees game, so I'll let you know. Okay, uh, so we're gonna become a Yankees podcast. Go, go cheer them on. <laughs> uh, we'll see. Um, well, thanks for listening. Sorry it was kind of noisy outside. We had someone building a house. That was not Cricket. That was the neighbor dog that sounds a lot like Cricket. Uh, I heard a helicopter at one yeah, point. Yeah, so until next time, I'm Derek. I'm Quinn. See ya.